Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. It is Giving Tuesday today, and uh, we have a conversation about, not just about Giving Tuesday, but what does that mean for children? How do we raise children to be grateful, charitable? And uh, so we're going to talk about that with a a panel of professionals this morning. Hope you can stick around for the conversation. I'm sure it will prove to be helpful and also engaging. So uh, stick around as we talk about raising grateful and charitable children. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin on our website. Go to kfuo.org. Look for the CUW logo in the sponsor section. Our panel of professionals joining me in studio this morning, Janine Liebman, a therapist serving as the EAP cons- counselor and consultant with H&H Health Associates here in St. Louis, Missouri. Janine, welcome back to Faith and Family. Hi, Andy. Thanks. Always great to have you in this studio and uh, looking forward to talking about uh, children today. Mm-hmm. Leah Siva King, Mission uh, Director of Member Engagement with Mission Advancement here at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Leah, welcome back to Faith and Family. Good morning, thanks. Glad to have you in studio today and, and talking about, uh, well, being charitable, not just at any age, really. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Faith and Family, Bev Greenwald, Director of Early Childhood Ministries at Abiding Savior Lutheran School here in St. Louis. Bev, it's great to have you in studio again. Good morning. Great to be here. And thanks to your students and staff for giving you some time away out of the studio to come talk with us this morning. To all the fine folks over at Abiding Savior Lutheran School, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure that uh, what are they doing right now in your in your classes? Oh my goodness! I'm sure somehow it's involved with Play-Doh and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Christmas prep. It's fun this time of the year just to start gearing up um, for the wonderful Advent Christmas season. <laughs> well, thanks for setting aside the Play-Doh for a little while to come right. over and, and, and talk with us today. <laughs> and uh, have some uh, some helpful conversation for parents and for teachers, for grandparents, for all of us as we, uh, as we raise up uh, this next generation of children. Well, let's talk a little bit about the work that, that each of you do and how that uh, contributes to the lives of, of this next generation. Janine, um, I, presently you, you serve uh, as an EAP counselor and consultant with H&H Health Associates here in St. Louis, a professional uh, a therapist, professional mm-hmm. counselor. Tell us a little bit about the, the history of your work and how you've worked with families and, and what you do at H&H today. Well, for the past five years, I've had a private practice solely doing private practice and working with children, families, couples, um, individuals. So have had a lot of experience with different kinds of issues. And, uh, you know, honestly, the the issues with kids and families can be some of the trickiest because um, because you have so many competing interests and desires. And it's it's tough, I think, these days for parents to raise kids, um, given the world we live in. And, you know, I think it's getting harder sometimes. Um, and right now I do um, EAP work, which is Employee Assistance Program, and I work more directly with employees of companies, but we still work with family members and kids mm-hmm. and um, couples. And so continue to uh, do the same kind of thing. I know in my experience with an EAP, that's one of the resources that employers generally mm-hmm. provide when you're uh, facing a, a, a challenging question, whether it's a family question, life question, balancing work and life, you know, right. family life, those types of things. So an EAP is a, is a helpful resource in those types of situations. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you probably get the, those questions from time to time as well, parents and family Definitely, life. Definitely, sort yes. Of well, very good. Bev, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Abiding Savior and uh, the, the early childhood ministries there. How long have you been with Abiding Savior? Um, this is my 13th year, so I'm really honored to be a part of a great family there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very good. And so early childhood ministries, uh, what what age do the, the kids start with? Um, our Children's Day Out program starts, um, children can enroll the month they turn two. So wow. um, we're thrilled to get the children when they're at their youngest and mm-hmm. brightest and uh, most charming. <laughs> uh, we have a great staff who really works with them and enjoys the, the challenges of those early years. What do you love about being in a, a, a Lutheran early childhood ministry? Oh, well, hands down, it's just the ministry opportunity, being able to share Jesus with the children, Mm -hmm. um, that we can sing songs with them, we can pray with them, we can just um, celebrate their happy times, and then we can be a support to the families during the challenging times, too, when um, there's a death of a family member, when there's um, moves, when there's a new baby at home, any of those things can Mm -hmm. be challenges, and we can um, share with them in prayer and um, support them. What is your relationship to parents as, as parents bring children to, uh, to Abiding Savior Lutheran School in the early childhood there? Uh, what's your relationship to parents? Um, we enjoy getting to know our parents. They are um, by far, um, will always be the first teachers of the children. Right. And so anything we can do to support them, to encourage them, um, to enable them on how to um, train their children, how to teach them. Um, and sometimes that means us teaching parents and that's fine. We Mm -hmm. love being a part of that as well. Um, but we definitely want to, um, be partners with them. We're, we're on the same boat. We're, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we, we, uh, if there's a challenge, if there is a developmental delay, um, it's not that we're blaming anybody. We want to work on it together. What Mm -hmm. can we do uh, to help the child grow? You're on, you're working toward the same goals. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Leah, tell us about your work, uh, member engagement uh, with Mission Advancement. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I'm in the, the fundraising department for mm-hmm. the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And member engagement is however donors and members of this church body want to be involved financially with this church body, my team is there to help them out. So some people prefer to give by mail or over the phone or online. We're happy to provide all of those options for them but then also discuss what what gets them excited about giving, mm-hmm. what aspect of ministry really gets them fired up. And so there are so many different projects and ministries and missionaries that, that people can play a very active role in the work that's being done. Mm-hmm. How does... How does your work, what I'd like to hear from each of you is how does your work shape the lives of children, whether it's directly or indirectly, how does that shape uh, what you, how does what you do shape um, the, this generation in terms of their, their worldview, uh, how they look at things? Because obviously today we're talking about being grateful. Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. We're talking about being grateful and also being charitable, giving. Uh, how does your work impact that that this next generation's worldview. We'll, we'll go back to Janine. How does your work as a as a therapist or or in the EAP role as well as a, a counselor and consultant with the EAP? I think the work that I do more now is uh, with the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know typically when a parent or a couple comes into my office and they've got there's they're they've got complaints about something going on with their child or they don't know what to do. They're stuck. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's what it is. They're stuck in their way of seeing things. They're stuck in their habits of how they do things. And so I think for me to challenge them, to challenge the way they're looking at things, to challenge how they've done things in the past, um, if they don't like what they're seeing in their kids, I mean, you can't blame the parents. I think the tendency of parents these days anyway is to feel guilty. So you got you have to walk that line of challenging them to see things differently or to look at what they're doing and try something different, but also to support and encourage them. Um, You know, we all as parents, I think, can take both the credit and the blame. And sometimes (laughs) we tend to only take the blame and not take any of the credit. So really encouraging parents in their lifelong job. And also I remind parents, you know, just because your child is 10 or 12 or 18 or 20 doesn't mean they're done in life. God is still working on them. And what you see today isn't necessarily going to be what you see down the road. So just encouraging them that you're in this for the long haul and really encouraging them to see things differently. So much of your work is is directly with parents mm-hmm. and that in in effect then shapes the the life of of children. Right. Bev how does your work, whether both directly and indirectly, and you already shared a little bit about this in, in how you relate to parents at Abiding Savior, how does your work directly shape the, the worldview of this next generation? Um, we work directly with the children, <laughs> and so uh, we like to think that we're <laughs> impacting them on a daily basis. Um in everything, how we um, how we approach things, problem solving, getting mm-hmm. them to wonder about the world, discover things. And from an academic standpoint, parents will say, oh, you know, I want my child to learn their ABCs. Well, great, but it's not like we can just open the lid and dump in the knowledge. You know, we want them to, to reach out and to discover and wonder about things. And then the same thing about um, their attitudes of the world, um, how we can model and shape that. Um, how we treat one another, how we learn to share and give and, and um, relate to one another in a loving way um, using our, our kind mm-hmm. words. And <laughs> we model that and practice that and um, use our manners and things like that as well. Um, we want the children to um, grow up to be um, just loving children of the Lord, um, to be able to live that uh, as well. Um, we have children coming in um, last year, at the beginning of the year, I asked uh, one of my children, one of my students, a four-year-old, um, I showed him a picture of a cross and he called it a T. Oh, that's a T. And by the <laughs> end of the year, um, he was looking at T's and saying, oh, that's a cross. <laughs> so, um, you know, spiritually, we have a lot of opportunities to share with them uh, the concrete, the academic part of it, and then um, mm-hmm. just the emotional, the spiritual, to be able to share with them the love of Jesus and how to share that with others. You bring up a good point that yes, we can we can teach things, we can teach concrete things, but we can't just open up their minds and pour in the knowledge. Mm-hmm. We, we can't just uh, you know <laughs> uh, teach charity or gratefulness by just pouring in the knowledge or just by putting information out there. That that's only part of the picture, isn't it? Right, right. We want to give them opportunities to practice that, mm-hmm. um, to model it, um, and and to actually do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for them to be able to. Um, express themselves um, in different ways, even before um, Halloween. And we talked about trick-or-treating and being safe. And then we actually practiced ringing the doorbell and saying trick-or-treat. And then, and then what do you say if you get candy and to say thank you and just um, little things like that. But just by practicing it, Mm -hmm. making it a part of their, their world and their um, just an automatic response. 
You mentioned discovery earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you are learning something like that, you were talking about trick or treating. Um, was there were there discoveries? How do you know when when a child discovers something? You see it in their eyes. You see. Oh sure. Um, even as simple as um, building with blocks, and um, you know they figure out what happens if I put the small block at the bottom and then the larger ones on top. And oh, it's going to topple. Oh, but look what happens when I put the large ones on the bottom and then build up that way. And so those kind of um, little moments that it just seems like oh okay they're just playing with blocks but they are putting things together that are going to be life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, all their mathematical and engineering kind of equations. Um, the same thing when they're playing with a friend. If I want that dinosaur toy, if I just take it from you, <laughs> I will discover what happens um, in a negative way. Uh, mm-hmm. That child will react. Um, or if I use my kind words and say, um, can I share that toy with you? Or when you're finished, may I have a turn or something? You know, and so we work on those things or use a different toy. Um, but that's those are kind of rude discoveries, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lessons we could all learn from, that's right? right. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, mission advancement and and uh, being charitable. How does Leah? How does your work in mission advancement, directly or indirectly, shape uh, the the lives, the worldview of children of this next generation? How is this next generation different than uh, the current or, or previous generations when it comes to uh, charitable giving? Well. Uh it is so exciting to be in fundraising and sort of serve as as the middleman because we work with donors, but then we also work with the ministries. And so what this church body is doing for its youth when it comes to Sunday school and youth gatherings. And so to connect donors to that so that donors can be very linked to what goes on with, with the youth of this church body is very, very fun to be a part of. As far as connecting uh, younger people younger donors mm-hmm. to what we do, there's some exciting things that that go on. Uh, we have just started crowdfunding, mm-hmm. which is posting a, a project online and inviting anyone to, uh, to make a, a smaller donation or a large donation and have a group effort to support something. And we just completed a project for the National Youth Gathering. They raised $25,000 in 45 days. Many of those donors were first time mm-hmm. younger. It was so neat to see, and they were giving online and and sharing things over social media on their own personal Facebook pages, saying, "Look, I'm a part of this. You can be part of this too." But it it goes even younger because we hear stories about what Sunday schools have have done. Mm-hmm. They latched onto a certain project. Um, they decided to to collect items for our service personnel and and create care packages. The best story that I saw from this year uh, came from a nine-year-old girl here in St. Louis named Abby. Abby's dad is a fourth-year seminarian. So Abby knows firsthand the struggles that a family could go through. And so Abby decided to have a bake sale and all of the proceeds from the bake sale went to the Joint Seminary Fund. So Abby collected $36, which she proudly sent in with her photo and, <laughs> and gave it all. And just what what an example of, of what kids can do. And she had to learn that somewhere. 
Absolutely. Who, what led up to that? And, and how do we maintain, uh, how do we continue to encourage her to, to live a life that, that gives sacrificially in that way, that, that sees the value in, uh, in, in these important um, ministries and these important uh, opportunities, mission opportunities, whatever they may be? Um, how do we continue to, how do we sustain that? Um, sure, it was, it was a, a wonderful project that she did at nine. How mm-hmm. do we continue that? How do we support that lifelong? Um, what reinforces that throughout life? Bev, how do we how do we continue to 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 you know encourage people like Abby? This is a great example that that Leah brought to the table today. Well, not to uh, put in a shameless plug for Abiding Savior, but Abby's, <laughs> Abby's one of our students. <laughs> so, um, in her specific situation, we all hugged her <laughs> and said, "Great job!" And I think encouraging when you do see acts of kindness um, from the children, especially when it's from. Uh, when it really looks like it's genuine and from their heart, mm-hmm. you just want to um, give them a hug and tell them, great job, and I appreciate what you did mm-hmm. um, by giving her that uh, reinforcement as well. Um, so I think uh, continuing that on, recognizing that, mm-hmm. um, even little things back um, to the classroom setting, um, I mentioned the negative about taking a toy away from a child, but when we see a positive, when we see someone go out of their way to share or to help another child, we try to be very deliberate about noticing that, recognizing it, telling mm-hmm. them, or sending a note to the parent and telling them so that it can be reinforced that this is this is what we're shooting for here um, without flat out saying that, but um, saying, great job sharing. I like how you were kind to your friend. Look, your friend dropped their toy and you helped pick them up, pick up the toy and you know whatever mm-hmm. it is. But um, I think by encouraging that, by labeling those things for them, and uh, making them aware of it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times selfish behavior is modeled in a lot mm-hmm. of ways in our society mm-hmm. and, um, and is reinforced mm-hmm. because they get what they want then. If you see a child um, acting up in a store, for instance, I want, I want, I want, and finally the parent caves and gives it to them. Um, so they get that reinforcement. But if they can get the reinforcement the other way by um, doing an act of kindness and, mm-hmm. and giving, and then we say, wonderful. And then the the response and the reward is internal. They don't need to get a, a thing um, in order to be rewarded. It's, uh, it's deeper when it's inside anyway. Mm-hmm. So rewarding with, not that there's... E- e- rewarding with 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 stuff right right <laughs> with, with with um you know toys or objects or prizes that mm-hmm. sort of thing in and of itself isn't bad but when that is it, what i i'm hearing is that there there are better rewards you know if there there are hugs and appreciation and sure. uh you know accolades um showing it in that way those types of rewards can can go much further than just stuff and things. That's right. And and just to um, let the child have that sense of identity, like, oh, wow, I did something great today. Hmm, mm-hmm. okay. And um, and if they feel good about it, that's fine. I mean, you eventually you don't want to um, do good in the world just because of the feel good factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just want to be uh, God's arms and, and feet here on this world and, and serve as we can uh, humbly. But um, at this stage, in order to encourage that, I think if we um, reward them in that way by noticing, by acknowledging, and by labeling it for them, uh, this is what I saw today, and, and that's great. 
Speaking of stuff and stuff, things, objects, possessions take a, I think more so today, maybe I'm wrong on this, really take a, a, a key role in our lives, especially as, as children, as teenagers, and then even as young adults here in North America. I can't speak for other cultures, but I know that possessions really seem to be really key and important in, in North American culture. How, how did we get to this? <laughs> how did we get to this? You know, when I talk with, uh, with some of our missionaries who are living in other cultures, mm. um, they don't necessarily deal with the, that same issue of, of, I've got to have this, I've got to have that. Now, I'm not saying the rest of the world isn't, uh, isn't consumed with products or consumerism, but um, how did we get to this? How do we deal with this as parents? How do we avoid this as parents? Um, what can we do? Janine? Well, I think one thing, you know, we can help our parents understand is um, we need to create a culture of stewardship within our homes early on. Um, you know, stewardship means, you know, everything we own has been given to us by God. You know, it's not that we own it. We're stewards of whatever God's given us. It's not just our material resources. It's also our time. It's also our talents. It's our abilities. Um, and so I think as, as parents, we, we model to our kids we give of ourselves whenever and wherever there's a need. So it's not just I give financially or I give material things, but, you know, a friend had their car break and I know how to fix a car. Not that I do, but, you know, <laughs> so I'm going to go over, I'm going to do what I can. Or I, you know, I have a friend who had a really hard day and I'm going to be a listening ear and take time out to listen. And so I think we just create that culture in our home of we are good stewards and being good stewards means we give whatever we have because it doesn't belong to us anyway. Um, and I think that, you know, if you start that way and you continue that way, and then I think you need to have a basic understanding of child development. Um, and you talked about some hands-on things, and I think that's so true. Um, little children, they don't understand abstract. I remember sitting in church as a little kid and watching the offering plates be passed around and they brought them, the offerings up and placed them on the altar. And I remember thinking, well, how does God get that money? It just didn't <laughs> quite make sense to me. And and it, that's true. We need to work with, with children at their developmental age and their developmental ability. And I think, you know, a lot of preschool kids, you see natural compassion there. They, they want to comfort people who are hurting. They want to be kind to others. And so you work with that natural compassion. I think you also intentionally teach empathy. Um, some kids seem to be more natural at it. Other kids, you really have to work on them, but teach them naturally. Um, you know, this time of year, I think about those um, Compassion International the, or the Samaritan's Purse catalogs, and, you know, you can buy a goat for a family or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think those are wonderful tools for kids to see hands-on real stories this is how this helps these people. And how would you feel if you were in that position or in that place, those circumstances? So I think we working with what's going on in our kids, combine that with a, with a family culture of we're good stewards of all that's God, God's given us. I think that that sets these kids up then to continually grow in being giving people. So what we say and what we model, mm -hmm. whatever we do is, is modeling regarding things if we place high value on earthly possessions mm -hmm. then it, it only makes sense that our children will as well um 
But when we create this culture, as you said, this culture of stewardship, that uh, it's very clear that all that we have is entrusted to us by God and what we do with it, uh, how we use it um, to serve others, how we use it to, uh, how we treat it, how we take care of it, how we take care of things, um, and is all setting an example for our children. They're they're watching, whether we realize it or not, they're paying attention. I just learned recently with our two-year-old that... uh, he he hears a lot of things. He hears everything that, that you say. And when he starts quoting things later on, then, oh, we need to pay attention to, you know, what what he's hearing in the future. Well, you had mentioned about um, uh, how do we avoid um, falling into this, this pitfall of mm-hmm. having children be more about the gimmies. And um, it's easy to just blame it all on society. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I think there's some blame that belongs there. But we are part of society. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Um, uh, commercials and things on TV, your two-year-old hears that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want, I need, I should have... Um, um, everybody else has this um, this toy, that that big car, that boat, that you know, whatever uh, toys for all ages. But we can, we are a part <laughs> of that too. By um, and our children hear our own dialogues mm-hmm. with our friends, and oh well, I'm going to hurry up and get in line earliest to buy this. I need that. I need, and um, so we can model that in a very negative way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what you were saying, Janine, we you know, being good stewards of what we have. And um, even before that, recognizing that um, God is the giver and and being so thankful um, every day for Mm -hmm. we have food on the table. We have a place to live. We have clothes. Um, We are rich, you know, even if Mm -hmm. you're on food stamps or whatever. Living in this country, we've been given so many blessings. Uh, And every morning when you can wake up, this is the day the Lord has made. And that is worthy of rejoicing Mm -hmm. and being glad in it. You bring up a good point when we say I need this or I need that or, you know, use the example of, oh, I've got to get there early in order to get this because I need this, you know, the Black Friday shopping sort of thing. The the attitude or the anxiety that we express when we show that, you know, we're talking about how we need something also, I think, carries over very easily to our children that, you know, is 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 perceived by our children very quickly. Um, that communicates how we feel about that thing that we quote unquote need. Right. Um, and it's not that it's, um, a negative to have things. Um, I, I'm mm-hmm. sure we all know people sure. who are very wealthy and are very generous and have wonderful hearts for the Lord. So it's not having this stuff, but it, it's the whole, the love of money or the, the mm-hmm. love of stuff. And if that becomes your identity, same thing with the children, um, and I, and we're probably going to get into the Christmas giving season, but that's one of the <laughs> things that comes to mind. Um, when you ask a child, are you excited about Christmas? And it just hurts me deeply when their first response is, yes, I'm getting, da 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 you know, and they already know what they're getting. And that's their whole um, persona, or their whole idea, image of Christmas mm-hmm. is, um, what am I getting? And that's, that's the area so we can target and, and uh, work on those attitudes. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, uh, Leah, you mentioned earlier, and I want to get back to this. We need to take a quick break, but you were talking about this this next generation and how they approach giving and mm-hmm. uh, with crowd uh, funding, the, the, those types of things. That uh, I want to talk more about that and how 
um, it, it being social is uh, is key. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. We're talking about raising uh, grateful and charitable children here on Faith and Family. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with our panel of professionals. You're listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Concordia University, Mequon, Wisconsin, overlooks the beautiful shoreline of Lake Michigan. This serene main campus of CUW is just 15 miles north of Milwaukee with all its vibrant cultural attractions. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, students living by the motto of inspiration and action can choose from 69 undergraduate majors, 14 master degree programs, and doctorates in pharmacy, physical therapy, and nursing practice. For more information or to take a virtual tour, visit cuw.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. This presidential election so far has been different from any other that I've been involved with, ever. It's a clear indication voters are fed up with the status quo in Washington. In addition, the candidates, for the most part, are handling themselves better with controversial issues like abortion. Carly Fiorina made bold statements about Planned Parenthood selling baby body parts. Ben Carson is taking on the biased mainstream media and actually winning. Marco Rubio, when asked about his stand on abortion being extreme, turns the focus to Hillary Clinton's stance of abortion on demand. Not only will the boldness of pro-life candidates benefit the unborn, they'll give countless other candidates the courage to stand strong for the babies, their parents, and medically vulnerable people targeted for euthanasia. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. How does Jesus describe the moments before his return? And how does he tell the church to respond? Live Tuesday on Issues Etc. We'll look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary talking with Pastor David Peterson about the coming of the Son of Man in Luke chapter 21. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, and Corporate Synod daily reaches out to our members and partners working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash jobs board. This is a test of the emergency alert system. This has been a test of the emergency alert system. Worldwide KFUO is easy to find on AM850 in St. Louis and online at kfuo.org. Through our contacts page online, you can ask us questions. And there is good old snail mail, too. Our street address is KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. The worldwide leader of confessional Lutheranism. Worldwide KFUO. 
the messenger of good news for more than 90 years. Are you willing to share your talents while learning new skills and enjoying fellowship? The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is looking for volunteers who can help us share the love of Christ by offering their time and talents at the International Center. For more information, contact Maureen at Volunteer Connection 314 314-996-1629. Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We are talking about raising grateful and charitable children. Our panel this morning, Janine Liebman, therapist and EAP counselor and consultant with H&H Health Associates, in here in St. Louis, Leah Siva King, Director of Member Engagement with Mission Advancement for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and Bev Greenwald, Director of Early Childhood Ministries at Abiding Savior Lutheran School in St. Louis. Before we went to break, uh, one of the points that you made earlier, Leah, was how this next generation, the this younger generation, um, approaches giving mm-hmm. uh, and and how we go about that. How does it look different? And one of the things you mentioned was um, the, the crowdfunding or crowdsourcing, or I, I don't know if I have the right term or not, mm-hmm. but um, how that's all connected online and uh, very, well, it's very social, isn't it? It is. You know, you, it, it's connected to social media and uh, it, it, it's very, very social, which is somewhat different, I think, than, than previous generations where we're quite often charitable giving was kind of a very private thing. Right. This this is a very public way of, of giving because you openly share with all of your contacts, mm-hmm. look at what I did. I, I made this donation. Will you do it too? And it's, it's neat because a group can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And this mob mentality when it comes to fundraising and, and ministry is pretty cool. It, it, it can accomplish uh, something. It, give us the, the basic idea for for this, like the the um, the uh, we raise that that was used for the the youth ministry project for the national youth gathering. Sure, we raise is a ministry of Wheat Ridge Ministries, which is a recognized service organization of the LCMS. They have a website that they maintain, and ministries are allowed to post a project with a description and the budget and a video and and put it online. Mm-hmm. And then ministries can promote it and say, go to the WeRaise website. Here's our project. We have 45 days and it's, it's an all or nothing approach. So if the project isn't fully funded within those 45 days, then nothing happens. No money exchanges hands, that's, that's it. But if the group rallies Mm -hmm. and in that 45 days comes up with the goal, then that project or ministry gets funded. So as you as a a group puts their project out on on the website and Mm -hmm. promotes it, they have 45 days to get the word out. So there's this somewhat somewhat of a sense of urgency. It's not a month. It's a month and a half, basically. So there's this sense of urgency that that pushes you to, I've, I've got to do it. If I'm going to do it, I got to do it. I can't put this off for, you know, 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I got to do it. So in a month and a half, I've, I've got to do it if I'm going to give. So there's a sense of urgency, but also there's this, 
you can put all the information out there in that website. As you said, a video, your whole rationale, why you're doing this. And then also the sense of connectedness. There are other people who are part of this. Now, certainly, as I've seen, it looks like you can you can make a pledge anonymously as well. You certainly can, because it, it's not for everyone to, mm-hmm. to broadcast what, what they're doing. Uh, in this day and age, it doesn't seem like it, it faces a whole <laughs> lot of people to, to share everything online. Uh, but this group, it is, it's a very viral process because you know somebody and they know somebody and everyone's posting it and, and mm-hmm. passing it along. Giving with this younger generation is very social. If it's not crowdfunding, the other thing about this this younger generation of donors is that it's not enough just to support something financially. They want to be involved with the ministry. Mm-hmm. They want to volunteer. They want to be there. They blood, sweat, and tears into to what's going on. And that's neat to see with this younger generation as well. So by having the the video or other connections to that 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 ministry or that project they 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 feel some ownership and then as mm-hmm. they as they're they're getting others connected to it as well by posting and that's kind of one of the keys to to social media and and media ecology is that something has to be worthy of sharing on social media in order for it to to go viral, as as we might say, in right. order for it to really make any sense on social media, it has to be worthy of the the viewer, the 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 um the user has to consider it worthy of sharing. This is a really neat video, and they click the share button and they share it with everybody on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever mm-hmm. the social media format, or they use it some tool to share it on all of them <laughs> at the same time, and. So it has to be worthy in their minds of sharing. So that's really where something like we raise or these, you know, the GoFundMe or crowdsourcing, crowdfunding type um, programs work is getting it to that point where it's worthy of being shared. Right. Worthy and easy. Mm-hmm. This last crowdfunding project that we did uh, was for the National Youth Gathering so that attendees can pack meals and... It, all it takes is 25 cents for a meal. So mm-hmm. just to say, hey, do you have an extra dollar? You can feed four people. And that's that's exciting. Hmm. So the the ease of doing this, the worthiness of the project, yeah, people were more than willing to share that. Any idea what age range this really has become most popular with the, in terms of the, this this crowdfunding approach? The online social is there is there like a you know a, a particular generation or age range? I know you said younger. I'm thinking college age, but the high school too. We're we're relatively new to this. Even though the, <laughs> the concept isn't all that new. Uh, the LCMS is new to it. We're seeing it all. It's it's tough to pin down right now. I guess you you have to you have to have a a, a credit or a debit card. You do to do that. So probably i'm guessing at least 18 for most of them right to, and to and that. anything that has gone on obviously if if with minors would need right, parental approval yeah mm-hmm. what a, a a neat concept though mm-hmm. because social media is really become embedded in our culture in our society today so crowdfunding really is 
is so interwoven into that 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 social media connectedness that we have right and how and it, it works with that fits in well with today being giving tuesday right and that being a very online thing as well now you mentioned that uh, the we raise campaign for the the national the youth ministry or sorry the national youth gathering project to to provide meals mm-hmm. went successfully mm-hmm 45 days, they were able to raise how much? $25,000. $25,000 in feed. Like, was it five? I can't remember how many people that would feed them. That's 100000 Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And now, the project before that, I believe, was Tin Roofs for Africa. Correct. We put a roof on a church in Africa. And that also was was fully funded. And that was our first crack at, at mm-hmm. this whole crowdfunding thing. And it it went well as as well. And one thing you mentioned that that made it, I remember talking about that at the time, and you talked about how crowdfunding has to be easy mm-hmm. to do. You know, it has to be an easy way to 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 give and to be charitable. Um, and I remember at that time it was like five dollars will will do this. You know, will provide nails or something like that, and ten dollars right. will do this, and twenty dollars would do that. And so you were getting a a picture which connected you to that project. Right. So I, like you mentioned, when families can sit down together and say, okay, we funded this goat and they can mm-hmm. talk about what did, what did we do? Or I feel strongly about this aspect. And that's, that's what fundraising and, and charitable giving is all about. It's such a, a personal thing. What has God placed on your heart? So to have these discussions mm-hmm. among members of the family with the kids saying, what do you feel strongly about? Is it kids? Is it the homeless? Is it people who are hungry? And making these decisions together and then feeling good about the the choices that they made. Hmm. Now, we just finished the the one for the National Youth Gathering. Mm-hmm. Do we know, is there another one? In, we do. Can it's, you share anything about it? It's the Office of International Mission, and it has to do with um, the care of children in Kenya, specifically their access to library books. When does, has it started? No, it'll, it'll start up in January or February. So we're getting all the pieces in place, Mm -hmm. but it'll be another exciting one. How neat. Mm -hmm. And so what, uh, what would Bev, what would you do with, uh, maybe early childhood children or, or maybe even a little older? How would you talk with children about something like that? Providing, what, what did you say, Leah? Books or library resources for children in Kenya? Sure. Um, just the access to education is mm-hmm. so limited. And so we have centers throughout Kenya where children go um, to receive care in all of its various forms, spiritual, emotional, physical. And um, one thing that the, the ministry would like to do is have books at each location to help with obviously their reading levels, but Mm -hmm. then what will that mean for their spiritual life? Because if they can read basic books and then we point them to Jesus and the Bible, Mm -hmm. it's just this natural progression. Sure. Bev, I see the gears turning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, it would be wonderful to be able to support um, that type of ministry. That's great. And I think um, anything tangible for young children it um there's a great connection like well you love your books if you didn't have them how sad would you be Mm -hmm. you know these these children don't have them how can we help and so uh just by breaking it down into that simple um they get it 
this fall, we did a um, cereal collection, boxes of cereal in our hallway. And we and they saw the boxes of boxes piling up and they got so excited seeing them. Now, if, if we're collecting food for um, needy children, obviously you could take any kind of food. Um, but to limit it specifically that we were targeting cereal boxes, it was something very personal to the children mm-hmm. because, oh my goodness, I love my cereal boxes, right? <laughs> and if they're going through the store with, with uh, mommy or daddy, they'll, oh, let's get some cereal boxes to give to the needy. And so they can, it's a real tangible thing um, without the element of money in between. You know, we like mm-hmm. when we can collect physical things. Right now we're starting a collection um, at our school for mittens and, and socks and gloves for the winter season. And well, that again, that's something that they can relate to. Oh, if I didn't have that, I would be cold. I want to give that. So we like to do um, those kind of tangible things. Um, and parents during this holiday season, um, I would encourage too, if there is a uh, any kind of a giving tree at your church or at the bank where they have toy drives, uh, let the children go to the store to pick those things out specifically to give them um, if you feel moved to Mm -hmm. give in those ways. Um, When my children were younger and we were on a very, very limited budget, um, we would even just go to the dollar store and to them that was, you know, like a castle (laughs) full of (laughs) things. But you choose one thing, a little doll or a car or something. And then um, after that choice was made, so lovingly made, and then to the act of giving it um, was even harder because, oh, it's in my hands now. (laughs) Can I give it? But uh, it made it that much more meaningful because they could really be thinking about, you know, who that, who's receiving that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, you know, I would encourage all parents uh, to, to take a moment during this holiday season and allow their child to do that. So for younger children, as you were talking about, Janine, earlier in terms of understanding development, you know, stages of development for younger children, uh, as you pointed out, Bev, the, the having that, that tangible or concrete um, visible there to mm-hmm. for kids to be able to connect with and see, oh, this is like, you know, how sad would I be if I didn't have books? How, you know, how much I love these books and how sad I would be. And, and I loved your example earlier, Janine, about, you know, the, the offering on the altar and trying to figure out how how God gets that money. How does it, you know, it's, that's a tough thing to, to grasp as a child because we don't get abstract as a child. And even, even in, in early adolescence, maybe not necessarily getting abstract. So how then would you, with older children, how would you approach this, this very same subject, you know, of teaching about uh, giving or practicing giving for, you know, using the example of, of books for, for children in Kenya? I think of the word you used a few minutes ago, Andy, and you said worthy, what's worthy. And I think in this era of social media, we can find thousands, if not millions of Mm -hmm. of different things to give to and charities and organizations. And even just walking on the streets of St. Louis, we're going to see homeless people. And I think at some point, you know, once you've done these things that have developed that sense of giving and stewardship and the tangible hands-on, I think you need to transition with your kids and teach them to think it through to smart giving, wise giving. What's the best use of our resources? Because we all have limited resources. And so while I may pass by somebody on the street who looks like they need a meal or something is my handing them money is that really going to help them long term i think uh, my husband is a pastor and he talks about you can't separate care 
from giving. It's, it's all about building a relationship with people and to teach, to teach our kids as they grow older to see, uh, to look for the real needs underneath maybe the, the surface needs that we see. Um, you know, maybe if I give money to a homeless person or to a family that needs help today, I might help them today, but how does this help them long term? And so teaching kids to look beyond the surface to the the intrinsic value of each human being and, and how do I help them um, overall in a bigger sense, a larger sense. And so I think teaching kids to to really um Oh, what's what's the best way I can help solve this problem? I like the idea of, um, you know, what we talk, we we've been talking about, you know, let's present different ideas, different options, but then teaching them to evaluate those options. I know um, I read um, that there have been parents who have sat down with their kids and they talked about a set amount of money uh, at this season that they could donate to a charity, but then they looked at these different charities and who, not only who are they helping, but how do they help them? Where is their money going? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, that's a that's a significant issue. How much of of what we give actually goes to help those people, and how much uh, is used for other purposes? So I think uh, teaching kids in the long over the long haul how to be wise givers, mm-hmm. um, I think, is very important. And you can that can even start early on. You know, one of the things I love about the love and logic approach to to parenting is. Uh, equipping children to make decisions uh, from a very young age, you know, giving them choices early on and choices that, that where the consequences aren't really that significant, aren't, aren't going to be detrimental. Um, you know, do you want to brush your teeth first or put on your pajamas first? Those types of, of, <laughs> exactly. of you know, to, would you like to use the red Play-Doh or the blue Play-Doh today? Uh, those decisions where the consequences aren't that significant so that as they get older, they can make more decisions. You know, when you're you're buying, going to the store to buy the cereal for the donation, you can would you give them the choice? Do you want to buy the 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 chocolate kind or the the uh, the honey nut you know Cheerios or something? You know, giving them the the choices to make then, so that by the time that they're reaching those those adolescent years, they can make those decisions. But also, as you pointed out, Janine evaluate uh, where these uh, where this giving is going where, where this gift is going and uh, how is it going to be used and what's the the smartest what's the the best way and can I can I build a relationship here as well that that will be ongoing right my husband uh, receives a lot of requests for for financial assistance um, as a pastor of the church not only from church members but from community members mm-hmm. who know of our church and over the years he's learned uh, you know sometimes people come in and say I live in a trailer and my electricity is going to be turned off if I don't pay my bill. Can you give me $500? And he used to find a way to, to pay that bill. And, and then he realized, you know, just because I pay the bill this month, what are you going to do next month? And that's what he started doing is is dialoguing with them and working with them and say, okay, if I help you now, how are we going to, how are we going to prevent this next month? And, and it really building that relationship and helping people see see their lives see their choices as you pointed out see see their choices differently and what can i do not just for today but that's going to help me down the road Hmm. so teaching children about choices now helps them mm-hmm. learn about, you know, with the, with those smaller consequences, will it be chocolate or vanilla cereal that, that you're contributing for the, the, the food drive now can shape how they approach choices and mm-hmm. equip them to make choices in the future mm-hmm. as well about how they help others, how they're charitable. Mm-hmm. 
Certainly. I think being a good steward, too, ties in with that. Um, I heard of one family, I think it was a great idea. Um, they taught their child to um, to tithe, to give percentage-wise of, of any gift that that child received. So if there was money in the birthday card, if it was $2, then the child would give, you know, 20 cents to church or, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, Sunday school or something like that and keep the rest. So they realized that early on... Um, you know, percentage giving, giving a portion back of everything that they receive. Sure. If my child receives treats, anything, you know, that that's really tasty, there is a certain percentage that he has to give (laughs) to mom and dad. Pay the taxes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different issue. (laughs) Well, uh, I appreciate everyone sharing some time today about the the work that you do and also providing some insights for us as well in terms of uh, how we can raise charitable children, grateful children, children that appreciate the all that that has been entrusted to them and helping them see that uh, is just that the all that we have is is really truly just entrusted to us as a gift and how and, and what we do with it is uh, is you know how the lord works in us and so I appreciate the, the time that you shared with us. Now, Leah, you mentioned that uh, this project this uh, next we raise project maybe in uh, in February coming up uh, somewhere around there. Definitely by February to okay. be on the the lookout for it. Yeah, we'll good. post four projects this year, wow. and um, it it's just it's a new avenue for us. Mm-hmm. It is reaching the younger crowd. It's exciting. In the meantime, though, today is Giving Tuesday. Uh, the website uh, where we can find out more in terms of uh, giving today. Specifically for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, I'd go to lcms.org slash give now, and you'll see all kinds of options. Very good. LCMS.org slash give now. You can find all kinds of options. As Janine mentioned earlier, there are hundreds, thousands of options. If you're looking at, you know, the Giving Tuesday, if you search that hashtag Giving Tuesday, you'll find hundreds, thousands. Be wise, make wise choices as you consider how you might give on Giving Tuesday. So uh, LCMS.org. Slash give now is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Bev, thanks so much for all of your insights today as an educator, and thanks for your time away from the classroom today. And our uh, a shout out to all the folks, including Principal Klug over there at, at Abiding Savior, <laughs> for you. giving you some time out of the classroom today, and all the 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 sweet students over there. I know that they're they're learning a lot about uh, giving and and being good stewards of all that God has entrusted to them as well in your care and with the, the other teachers and leaders there as well. Thank you very much. It was a joy to be here. And and anyone that's talking with young children, um, just uh, be a good dialogue, be a good mm-hmm. model. And, and I encourage you to say, so what are you giving this year for Christmas? <laughs> Instead of making your first question, what are you getting? <laughs> very good. Very good. How can we, uh, Abiding Savior, what's the, the website for Abiding um, Savior? It's our initials, ASLSonline.org. And that's for our early childhood program. And then we go all the way up to eighth grade. Excellent program. ASLSonline.org. That's right. Very good. Janine Lehman, thanks so much for being our guest uh, as an EAP counselor and consultant with H&H Health and uh, as a therapist. Thanks for coming back and sharing some time with us. And and a shout out to all the fine folks over at H&H for giving you some time out out of the office today to come talk with us. Thank you, Andy. It's a joy to be here. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word with Pastor Whedon. You're listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. 
Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at kfuo.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.